Oh, wow. Jerry just asked me if that canvas was really tiny or if we were just all giants. I don't know. I'm going to go with giants. What do you think? Who knows? All right, so I was telling him I feel like a talk show host. I can walk around and all this stuff. So um, who wants to tell us about their first love? Anybody? Like, not if, not if you're going to put a mic in my face. Anybody? Um, did it end tragically? Hands? Hands if it ended tragically? No? It, are you glad it's over? Hands? Okay. Wait, wait, you're tragically and you're glad. Yeah, okay. Um, anybody, your first love was at a camp? Okay, raise your hand. Um, it was at church. Okay. Are y'all, were y'all the first loves? Really, no kidding. John and Carolyn, you just made me smile. Wow. Wait, 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 stop. Hold on. I was going to clap, but then John's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So we might need to hear this. Do you want the mic? When you were six? Oh, 16. It's like, John is not waiting around. He's, he's like, I've got a life plan, baby. I'm six, and I want you in it, right? That's awesome. 16. Asked her, asked her to marry you at 16. And when did you get married? 22. Took her six years to figure out yes? Oh, took her six. She was smart. She was like, get a degree, and I'll marry you. That's cool. Anybody want to top that? So I'm just assuming it didn't end tragically. It ended well. It's good. Um, anybody your first love was on the school playground? Okay. I think we're done. We can't even top that story, can we? Um, this morning we are starting a new series called Love Like Jesus. Saw a little promo there. Um, and we're going to kick it off like this. I've got a little game we're going to play. Little word association because some things go together. So I'm going to show you a picture, and then you are you're already freaking out, thinking you're going to miss it, and I'm going to get it wrong. And and he's telling me to yell out the answer, and nobody's going to yell it out because they're playing a joke on me, and everybody knows to be quiet. And I'm going to be like cat. But nobody knows anything like that. This is not a trick, and we'll start easy. Okay, we'll throw an easy one up there first. Go ahead and throw the first one up there. Peanut butter and. See, that's how it works. And this side was all over it. Give yourselves a hand. This side needs some work. Okay? I'm just going to let you try it. Just see if you can, if your vocal cords are working. We'll just do the same one. So you can't get it wrong. Peanut butter and? Okay, good job. All right. Um, let's see. Let's move on. Let's do another one. Salt and? Well, y'all are unbelievable. Let's move on. Bacon and? More bacon. Uh, <laughs> Phil was the only one that got that right. Bacon and more bacon. I think Tim in the back yelled out, bacon and awesome. Um, bacon and eggs. Okay, now this here's a fourth one. We'll see if you get this. It's a little tricky. Milk and? Cookies. Cookies. Good, good. Richard and? Hey, listen, Richard's working hard today because can you tell that we're having sound issues? Oh, you can't? You can't even tell, can you? Because he's amazing. Give Richard a hand. I could tell, but I still appreciate you. You're doing a great job. The band said they could tell. Okay, so let's move on from pictures. Let's take it up a notch. 
I'm going to say a name, and you're going to say the name that goes with it. Here we go. Bert and? Ken and? Batman and? Romeo and? Sonny and? Ah, all the older people. Nice. See how I threw that in there for y'all? And me, too. Yeah, I know who Cher is. Who does not know who Cher is? Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Mickey and? Do we not like Disney in the room? That was a little weak. Superman and? (laughs) Hmm. Okay, so later today, Superman and Batman will be fighting it out. See who has a bigger signing bonus for Robin. Yeah, that was a little tricky. I threw it in there. I just didn't know what would happen, but that was great. Thank you. Yeah. Guinea pigs and... No, I'm just kidding. Um, here's one. Samson and Delilah. So I just want to throw a biblical one in there just to make sure you got that. So the point here is, like, some things just go together. Okay, they just go together. If you have one, you're going to have the other. And we're starting a series in 1 John. And what I want you to understand from the very beginning is the big idea for today. And it could be the big idea for the whole series. But I want you to write this down. I want you to get this. Because these are two things that John said go together. We will love like Jesus when we've been loved by Jesus. Okay? So John's writing this letter, and we're going to kind of break it down, make sure you understand why he's writing it and all this kind of stuff, what the purpose of the series is. But from the very beginning, I want you to understand this. There are certain things that just go together. So if you've been loved by Jesus, and apparently a lot of you have, because I was listening to you sing, and I mean nobody sings in public out loud like that unless they have passion in their heart, especially some of y'all, because we've heard you sing. But Jesus just fills your heart, and you're like, I don't care. I can't carry a tune in a bucket, not even a bucket as big as that Baptist tree, and, and I'm just, I'm going to sing anyway. And so you just, I don't, want to, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you right now, you're smiling because you're sitting next to that person? Like, they're not soprano, they're not bass, they're, 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 they're song, they're, they sing monotone. They don't have it, but they sing, right? Because they're passionate about Jesus, because when you've been loved by Jesus, it just goes together. You'll love like Jesus. And so John writes this letter because that's not happening in the church. And he says, look, something's not adding up. How many of you are really good at math? Raise your hand. Oh, wow. About like, what, five of you? How many of you are awful at math? Raise your hand. Oh. Never been more proud in my entire life to pastor you. So if you're bad at math, I'm going to go out today and tell everybody that we had 1,000 people at church. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, turn, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, this is the verse that you saw earlier. I want to tell you right up front what the goal is of this series. So we're going to read 1 John 4, 17. Here's what it says. If you don't have your Bible or you don't have a smartphone, it's up on the screen for you. John's writing. He says this. In this way, and we'll talk about what that means, Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. So if I asked you, we're doing a series called Love Like Jesus, what's the purpose? You might say this. Well, the purpose obviously is that we would love like Jesus. John says no. That's just like the byproduct of the real purpose. The real purpose is that we would all someday in another world 
stand in front of a God who is holy and have confidence in that world because of how we love like Jesus in this world. Does that make sense? Um, just to show of hands, how many of you have ever had to appear in court? For whatever reason, I know it wasn't because you were being charged with something. It was because you were defending somebody. But raise your hand again. Let me look around the room so you know who not to sit next to if your wallet's open. I've never had to appear in court. I've had to go to court, and it scares the snot out of me. Like, that's one of those places where if I haven't done anything wrong, I'm still scared. So I can't even imagine the day of judgment. And we're talking about standing in front of a, a man or woman in a black robe. But someday we stand before God. Like a holy God. And I don't know how about you, even though I've loved Jesus with all my heart, I, I think about that day and it's like, well, man, that, that kind of scares me a little bit. But Paul, John says here, if we get this, if we really get what he's saying in this book, in this letter, that someday we'll be able to stand before a holy God like that, robed in righteousness and holiness and power, and not wet our pants. And I'm all for that. I, I don't want to wet my pants in front of the throne of God. I want to stand with confidence. And that's what this goal, the goal of this, whole, of this whole series is. That we would someday be able to stand before God with confidence. Because of how we loved in this world. So here's how we're going to tackle this this morning. you got two points on your paper. Um, John kind of wrote this letter. It's not a book. It's a letter. He wrote a letter to the believers in the day because they had a problem and he had a solution. So we're going to tackle it that way. Before we jump into it, look around you. You are among family, right? That's a good thing because what we're going to talk about is a little hard. And so look at 1 John 2.1. Let's see who he's talking to. Before we even jump into what he says, who's he talking to? 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, dear, what? Children. So he's writing to people that he loves. He's writing to people that he's for. So I know you hate doing this. My wife hates saying things to the people next to her. But I want you to say to the person, God is for you. Say that to him. Now tell them that you are for them. Say, I am for you. All right. You need to remember that. Not just today, but probably all the way through the series. So here's the problem. The problem that John's addressing is that the church was not loving like Jesus. They were not loving like Jesus. And before we can even talk about that problem, we need to talk about a bigger problem. The reason why he wrote this letter is this thing called Gnosticism. Don't even try to spell it. Um, It's in the notes. You can download it from the web. But here's what Gnosticism said. I'm going to try to make it simple. There was this dualistic belief that the spiritual realm was pure and the material natural realm was sinful. And so if, if the material world is sinful and God is holy, there's no way that God could have created this world, okay? And if God didn't create this world, there's no way he could have stepped into this world through Jesus Christ to save us from our sins because a holy God can have nothing to do with a material evil world. And so there were these people who said, hey, it doesn't matter what you do physically as long as spiritually you kind of believe in this good thing that could never be down here. And John's saying, wait a second. 
Jesus stepped into this world. He came into humanity. He took on our sin. He died for us. And so he's trying to deal with this issue. Okay, are you lost? Yes. Let's break it down like this. Believers that John was writing to were in danger of trying to love like Jesus without first being loved by Jesus. That was the biggest problem. Which sounds like our world, right? Um, you know anybody that reads romance novels? Yeah, all the time. Don't raise your hand on this. Know anybody that looks at porn? I'm sitting next to my husband. Right? We have a world that is trying to love each other without being loved by Jesus. They have made God, they've made love their God. And so John says, wait a second, you can't do that. You can't love each other if you've not been loved first by Jesus. They were saying one thing, but they were doing something else. Let me just read you a couple of these verses real quick. Just jot these down. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. Just want, I want you to hear the struggle that John's having. He's saying to them, you're saying one thing, you're doing something else. Just real quick, 1 John 1, 6, listen to this. If we, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live by the truth. 1 John 1, 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This, then, is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. 1 John 2, 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. 1 John 3, 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Oh, see, that's no fun, is it? Like, now look at the person next to you. Children of God, children of the devil. What do they look like? It depends. Have they had their coffee yet, right? 1 John 3.10, here's what he says. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. And last one, 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Okay, so here's what we're learning. Sorry, I'm hot. The good news is my pores aren't smaller because if my pores were smaller, I would squirt <laughs> all over y'all. That'd be terrible. <laughs> no, it's not what we're learning. So imagine you're sitting in church and you hear somebody read a letter like this. And one thing that we get right away if we're listening to those words is, man, I'd better love more. I mean, he just said, if I love, then I'm in Christ. Those who love their brother know that they love God. So when I hear that, the first thing I think is, man, I'd better love people better. Because I want to be loved by God, don't you? And I want to know that I'm loved by God. 
Again, I want to stand with confidence in front of God someday in front of the judgment seat. And so if that's based on how I love, then when I hear words like that, I think, man, God, help me. I want to love better. The problem is we try to do it on our own. We try to love like Jesus without ever having been loved by Jesus. If you read 1 John this week, we asked you to read it with this thought in mind, that we cannot love like Jesus unless we've been loved by Jesus. And how many times did John talk about in the book love? 35 times. Anybody count when you're reading it? If you have the NIV, 35 times. 35 times he mentions love. It's pretty important. But more important than him mentioning love is this. How are we to love? How do we receive the capacity to love? That's what leads us to the solution. Can I say something really hard? And and before I say this, let me tell you what happened last night. I will not go into intimate details because it happened in the shower. So it's late last night. I'm working on this, the finishing touches on the outline. And I'm just like, God, I'm struggling. I'm struggling because this feels hard. And I'm struggling because I feel like I'm going to get up on the platform. I'm going to say things. I don't want to come across like a jerk. And so I do what anybody does when they're preparing a sermon and it gets hard. I stop and I got on the treadmill. That was hard. So I'm just like turning on the treadmill and I got about 15 minutes into it and I had about another 45 minutes to go and I was just like, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. I stopped the treadmill. I just went and got in the shower. Now, I know this is probably way too intimate, so try not to picture this if you can. <laughs> but uh, I sat down in the shower and as the water washed over me, <laughs> Wendy's dying. <laughs> Here's what I said to God. I said, God, my heart is hard. And I can't preach if my heart's hard. Not anybody. I mean, none of you are bad. It's just the cares of the world, right? I mean, maybe you can't relate to that. I thought, I'm going to stand up in, on a platform, and I've got to talk about how you want to love us so deeply that we will then in turn love others so deeply. And I can't do that if my heart is hard. And, and studying more is not going to help. Running's not going to help. The only thing that's going to help me, God, is if I just sit here and you just give me your heart so that I can say things from 1 John that he wrote in love. I mean, here's a man who 35 times uses the word love, who says, Dear children... I'm writing this to you, who's writing it in such a way that they will hear it and want to be better. Because here's the truth. And we're talking about culture, right? But the problem is that culture seeps into the church. So here's what happens in culture when we try to love without the love of Jesus. When Instead of God being love, love becomes God. This is what it looks like. And if this applies to you, I'm sorry. A culture that's made love their God makes Nicholas Sparks a multimillionaire. 
not saying the notebook wasn't a great movie and I didn't cry like a dog in it. Okay? Because I did. Two old people in a bed. I was like, you know, it's tough. But he's a best-selling author. His every movie is a best is a, is a blockbuster because at the end of those movies we walk away and say, "Wow, man, I want to love like that." And love becomes the focus. A culture that has made love its god has a porn industry that makes more money than the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball combined every year. I'm just going to throw it out there because it's a title that everybody knows. A culture that has made love its God sees 50 shades of gray sell just as fast among church people as it does unchurched people. Because everybody wants something. We're not satisfied with what we have. We want something else. We want love. A culture that has made love its God, people Relationship killers become the norm. So premarital sex is okay. Living together before you're married, it's okay. And if anybody were to challenge you on that, all you have to do, you know what a trump card is, right? Trump card's how you win in cards. It's great when you play the trump card. The trump card with this, all you have to say is, but we love each other. Nobody else can say anything to you. And all of us struggle with this in some way. Because love has become a God in our culture. And so as believers, we live in a culture where when we say God is love, people go, yes, but they don't really know what we mean. Because they flipped it. And so it's all about love. And love's a good thing, right? Except for that first puppy love experience that we talked about earlier. Like my first kiss with Patty didn't go well. I missed. Got her on the cheek front of a bunch of my friends and they mock me love can hurt so I'm not saying love's not important John's not saying love's not important 35 times he said love 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 I get it but John's saying to the church then and I'm saying to the church now and I'm a part of you is that if we're trying to love like Jesus without actually loving Jesus it's not going to go together I'm going to say bacon and you're going to say jam it's, well, that's a bad illustration because bacon goes with everything. I'm going to say wolf pack, and you're going to say winner. How's that? Yeah, I'm a pack fan too, but let's not We'll talk about that. We'll move on. The point is it won't match up. And, we, and we're in such a, the culture is so saturated, so starved for love that we can't say anything about it. That if the church says anything about it, then we're the judgmental ones. And so John has this great way of writing in such a way that says, look, you're trying. I get it. It's good. You want to love, but you're trying to love like Jesus without having been loved by Jesus. And so he talks about the solution. And the solution is simply they needed to be loved by Jesus. Let me read you this one section. 1 John chapter 4. Verses 16, 17, and 19. This is where our verse for the series comes from. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. 
And in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. And at this point, everybody's like, I get it. That's fantastic. Yes, I want to love. But verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. And so there's no shot at loving other people like Jesus until we have first been loved by God. And any time we try to love others without first being consumed with love by Jesus, our heart gets hard. Any time. Can we just admit this one thing? The best example that we have in this world of loving without the love of Jesus in our hearts is this couple, and it ended tragically. So in the movie, you know, Jack, Jack, I'll never let go, Jack, Jack, as she pries his dead, cold hand from hers. Like, I'm pretty sure you're letting go. Just saying. This was the model of, oh, that's real love. It makes you blue and icy. And you float around in the water until one of you dies. Look how he gave himself for her. What love. Look how he led her into the car when he shouldn't have. Look how he ruined her life. Look at how when he started to sink to the bottom of the ocean, if he was a real person, he would have continued sinking to hell. Because love was not based in Jesus. And so this would be the example, right? Now we just throw any Nicholas Sparks couple up. But this is the example. And so we, I, here, I'll, I want you to get us this. John's saying, look, stop walking out of chick flicks thinking that was amazing. Start walking out of chick flicks thinking, but what about Jesus? Because love is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. We applaud that. There's a crisis in our faith right now, and it's, it's not much different than the dangers of Gnosticism. We don't call it Gnosticism. I would love to hear you have that conversation. Come into church next week and walk up to somebody and go, uh, excuse me, I've got a word from God for you. And they're like, what, what? Gnosticism. They'd be like, what? Okay. We don't call it that. But we are so close as a, as a church culture in America to re- trying to remove Jesus from the equation of loving each other. And that's why John points to Jesus. 1 John 4.19 again says that we only love others like Jesus when we've been loved by Jesus. They go together, milk, cookies, love like Jesus, loved by Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. With experiencing the love and grace and salvation of Jesus. Um, 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, he starts the whole letter like this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you. All the things we've experienced, all the things that we've touched, 
All the things that we now know, this is what we proclaim to you. So if we've experienced Jesus, we will love like Jesus. And so we've got to ask this question. I'm going to answer it quickly. If we're supposed to love like Jesus, how did Jesus love? So here's four ways that Jesus loved. Very quickly. Jesus loved first. 1 John 4.19, we just read it. We love because he loved us. Um, here's what it means when you love first. It means that you will make the first move. It means that you will take the initiative. You will be intentional. You will take the risk. You will do exactly for others what I did for Wendy when I wrote her the first song that I ever wrote her. And I've told somebody this story, but let me say it again because it's such a great illustration of this principle. We had an agreement that we would never say I love you unless we were serious about moving our relationship towards marriage. And so at some point, it was obvious that she was nuts about me, and so I wrote her a song. <laughs> and I called her up. She was living in Columbia, and she came up, and she, she, I was working in church across town, and she sat on the front row, kind of like right where she is now, and I sat at this awesome, you know, baby grand piano, and I played this song, and I sang it for her, and when it was over with, and, you know, the angels had flown back to heaven, <laughs> I said... To her, I love you. And she said, that's nice. <laughs> is it, is it really? <laughs> See, listen, if we're going to love like Jesus, we have got to make the first move. I mean, if we could... We could go into a whole dialogue about how men in the marriage need to make the first move. Like I realized early on, because y'all women are weird and hard to figure out. Guys are not hard to figure out. Bacon. (laughs) Women are weird and they're hard to figure out. And I learned early on, if I'm going to love Wendy who is the least weird woman on the face of the, of the earth. I, I get that. But if I'm going to love her like Jesus, there are times when I will have to make the first move. I will have to say I'm sorry. I will have to say this can't, we got to work this out. I can't sit back as a man and say, well, if she really wants to make it better, she'll come to me. I don't have that luxury because I'm the man. I'm the priest. I'm the head of my home. I'm supposed to love her like Jesus loved the bride. And so the way he loves is he loves first. He did not sit back and wait on the world to figure out that they needed Jesus. He came and died. He loved first. So if we're going to love like Jesus, guess how we should be loving people? First. Man or woman doesn't matter. You should love first. Jesus loves sacrificially. Romans 5, 8 Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, he gave himself for us. He gave himself sacrificially. It hurt for Jesus to love you. It hurt for him to love me. It will hurt us to love others like Jesus. That doesn't sound fun at all. This one's really important, okay? John 8.11 John 8, 11, Jesus loved honestly. Um, if I can just, while we're turning to it, if I can just tie a couple things together, the same person that wrote 1 John is also the person who wrote John. And so what we're reading about now, this is one of the things that he saw Jesus do. And you tell me, 
if what he saw Jesus do didn't so impact him that later when he's writing one of the last letters we have from the New Testament in 1 John, and he starts saying love, 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 if he's not thinking about this that we're getting ready to read. Powerful example of how Jesus loves. Chapter 8, the beginning of the chapter, we won't read the whole thing, but let's just um, sum it up like this. There's a woman and she's having sex with a man. She shouldn't be. And the religious leaders of the day busted into the house. <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Busted into the house and grabbed the woman and dragged her out naked. She did not have time to get ready, fix her hair, put on her makeup. She's just naked in the dirt, and they threw her at the feet of Jesus. I don't know where the man was, because that's what hypocrites do. They pick one, not the other. But for whatever reason, this woman ends up on, her, on the ground naked in front of Jesus. And you've heard this story. Jesus, you know, starts doodling in the dirt and writing stuff, and they get all ticked because that's what religious leaders do. When you ignore them, they get mad. And he finally says, you've, you've probably said it, you know, hey, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. So I'll drop their stones and they walk away. And that's usually where we end the story. Because it sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like a Nicholas Sparks movie, doesn't it? Love wins! That's why we love Jesus so much. He's got long flowing hair. I mean, only Jesus can make a dress look good. So Jesus, Jesus, please don't tweet that. <laughs> My pastor just said only Jesus can make a dress look good. Um, so, so Jesus turns to the woman. And listen, I, I want you to get this because we're supposed to love like this. Jesus loves honestly. John chapter 8, verse 11. Um, let's just start it in, in verse 9. At this, he, at this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time. The old ones first, until only Jesus was left, and the woman still standing there. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. Cue the music, violins, orchestra swelling, and Jesus says, Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared the end. No. No. What did he say? He said, Go and sin no more. He called her out. He saved her from wicked people who just wanted to kill her so that he could redeem her soul, but he did call her out. Jesus loves honestly. Jesus has this way. I don't know how, I don't know how he gets it, probably from God. He has this gift of telling people the truth about themselves in light of the truth about himself that makes them want to better themselves. Here's this woman, and we don't know what happened to her, but I'm just guessing she could not have stayed the same. I don't see this woman getting up from the dirt going, that was close, and hopping back in bed with a dude. I see her walking towards a better life. Something about the love of Jesus made her want to change. And if we're going to love like Jesus, then we will love that way as well. And in John, um, Luke chapter 13, 34, Jesus loves first, he loves sacrificially, he loves honestly, and he, he loves unconditionally. Luke chapter 13, verse 34. 
Jesus is looking out over a ton of people. And so he said this, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Okay, let me just, everybody look at me for a second. This is something I can't relate to, okay, but some of you can. I cannot relate to the pain. Well, I can now a little bit because I've lost some people that I love, but I cannot relate to the pain of your heart breaking to love somebody that will not love you back. That's a real pain. I mean, I, I have, this is going to sound so bizarre. Y'all got y'all to get to know me better so you don't think I'm weird when I say stuff like this. But my brother who passed away, um, he just had a really furry chest. I mean, just he just did. And there's days when, like, we'd go swimming in the pool and, like, you know, we'd just be playing stuff. And he just had this, some days he's, he's gone out. And there's days, this sounds so weird unless you know me, but I just would give anything just to, just to feel that. And I can't. And that's as close as I get. But some of you have had marriages. Some of you have, have had children that have passed. I mean, and you, I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm just saying this is a real deal. When you love, you so love. And it's like, can you just picture this with Jesus? He was a man of sorrows. He looks out over people. Jerusalem, he says, I have longed to gather you and hold you. But you would not come. So what was Jesus' response to that? Forget you. I'll go find people that want to be with me. His response to that was the cross. Jesus loved unconditionally. Whether you returned it or not, he's still going to love you. So this is how Jesus loves. It doesn't sell a lot of Hallmark cards but it changes lives. And if we love this way, then we will see lives changed as well. So I, I got to ask you this question, and you get to ask me the same question. How are we doing? Are we loving like Jesus? And if we aren't, why aren't we? And there's only one reason. It's because we haven't been loved by Jesus. So, you know, think back, bacon and eggs and milk and cookies, some things, they just, they just, they just go together. One plus one equals, and y'all really are bad at math. That was like a layup. One plus one equals two. Again, just this side. I don't know what's going on. So here's the thing. This is when it's good to know that we're loved by God. 1 John 1, 7, John wrote that if we walk in the light, we will have fellowship with each other. We will have fellowship with God through Jesus. 1 plus 1 will equal 2. The question is today, okay, because I'm going to ask you to do something. Just examine your life, right? Just examine your life and ask yourself, how am I loving? Am I loving like Jesus? Do I love first? Do I love unconditionally? Do I love sacrificially? Do I love honestly? Do I speak the truth to people in love? 
If I'm loving like, if I'm not loving like Jesus, then one plus one is not equaling two. It's equaling something else. It's equaling five. That's wrong, by the way. One plus one does not equal five. I don't care what kind of crazy math you want to do. There's just no way. One plus one equals two. And so when we look at our lives and say, look, bacon goes with eggs and milk goes with cookies and, you know, Robin goes with Batman, not Superman. When we do that and we see that, wait a second. And so I've, I've been loved by Jesus, but I'm not loving like Jesus. There's a disconnect. It's not going together. You can't blame that on anybody. You have to say to God, help me. You have to sit in a shower and say to God, break my heart. And the way that happens, and I love this about John. John doesn't say, horrible, horrible Christians. What is wrong with you? Why can't you get it together? Just try harder. Just try to love more. Just have more fellowship suppers together. Just get in the same room and eventually you'll start liking each other. He says, no, 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 no. You can't love like that. The only way you can really love each other is if you're first loved by Jesus. And the only way you can be loved by Jesus is simply to admit he had to come save you from your sin. 1 John 1, 9. This is our answer. When we do bad math and 1 plus 1 equals 5 or 4 or 3 or anything but 2, the answer is not to try harder but to admit that we're bad at math and need a teacher. Or in this case, need a savior. And the next step is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We get to confess our sins to a faithful, forgiving, and cleansing God. And in the weeks ahead, that's what we got to remember. Because John's not the kind of guy to pull punches. Like we're going to talk about things over the next three weeks. And most of us, myself included, that's why First John is such a hard book for me because it's so practical that you kind of walk out going, God, I thought I was saved. But like then John says stuff like, if you hate your brother, and we'll want to justify ourselves. I'm just being honest. We will want to say, well, I don't hate anybody. Well, yeah, I know you don't hate anybody, but you ignore them all the time. You never like go out of your way to see how they're doing. We look out for ourselves first, and that's kind of what it means. And all John's saying from the get-go, when we've got to get this today, all he's saying is it doesn't connect. If I've been loved by Jesus, it will change the way I love others. Some things just go together. Being loved by Jesus and loving like Jesus are two of them. The big idea, so I don't forget it, we will. Everybody say will. And that's the good news. It's a guarantee. You see that, right? That's what he's saying. If you just simply open your heart and say, Jesus, love me. Love me the way that we just talked about. If you let that happen, then we will love like Jesus when we've been loved by Jesus.